Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is a mentalist from New York City who plays some of the hottest venues in the country. Jason Saran is my guest. We discuss his approach to mentalism, how his virtual shows became more world-renowned, and a lot more. Nick LaCapo joins me to discuss the feature product of the week from Paul V. Hill. Before all of that, we kick things off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians discuss the magic literature they would love to be lost at sea with. This week, viral internet sensation Jack Grady joins me for Desert Island Magic Books. Jack Grady, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's suppose you wash up on a desert island with one magic book, and it's made of Tyvek, so it's not going to fall apart in the wind and the rain and the sand. What is your Desert Island Magic Book? I thought a lot about this question. There's two, but I've narrowed it down to one. Good, because the rule is you can't take two. Tarbell. Tarbell. That's that's, that's, that's a whole catalog, though. What Tarbell is Jack already going to pick? Yeah. Volume four, the best volume. Okay. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. You are now on the record as being the only person who's ever said Tarbell and not copped out and done like the collected set that's all one book. You've actually narrowed it down to a single volume to which I commend you. And now I want to know why volume four. You know, it's just like the strangest thing, like in terms of like things that I've actually used from Tarbell. Mm -hmm. Like I'd say probably seventy percent of it's from Volume Four. Where it's just like, <laughs> what do you, I really like this. I can see myself doing this. It's like I, I, I think Harlan had some some future vision and was like, "There's going to be a magician named Jack Grady. He's going to love. It. I'm going to just put all the tricks he would like in this one." What tricks are you doing? Um, shoot, now I can't think of any any of them <laughs> <laughs> people are gonna think i'm just lying like oh he's making no i up. believe you like it's yeah, like yeah. there are definitely like books you come back to over and over again and even in collected works like i find myself ending up in volume three of card college pretty frequently because of some oh, yeah. some stuff that's in there uh but i love the idea that volume four is of tarbell is where it comes from as a matter of fact when we get off of here i'm gonna go grab volume four volume and sort four. of like leaf <laughs> through it and figure out what insanity is inside of it yeah, so it's it's not even like insane, like necessarily like tricks that I'm gravitating towards. Like I'll read like a trick and I'll be like, oh, that that's ripe for exploitation, to mm-hmm. just bastardize, you know, yeah. like, um, but no, when, when I was like doing strolling magic a lot, I, if I remember, there was a lot of tricks that I'm not necessarily performing like now frequently because yeah. most of what I do is on stage, but there it was like like i said 70% of my strolling uh, repertoire was volume 4 that's fantastic i mean i don't think i need to hear i don't think anyone needs any more explanation i mean if you just yeah. if you find yourself doing a lot of material out of one particular volume of tarbell that's the volume for you well and my pro tip to every magician watching yeah forget volumes 1 through 3 <laughs> 5 through through it's 8 right 5 yeah. through 8 yeah Okay, it's all junk. Volume four. <laughs> Be a real magician, okay? I'm uh I'm going to send a copy of this recording to Dan Harwin personally and get his hot take <laughs> on there. Jack Grady, volume four of Tarbell, throw away the rest of it. Such a great Desert Island magic book. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much to Jack Grady for joining me on today's show. I think there's a chance Jack may be back on soon as he has just announced a boxing match with friend of the show, Magic Crasher. I think that's something that we should find out about a bit more of. 
On to the main event. The last time I was at the Chicago Magic Lounge, I had the good fortune to perform alongside a fantastic mentalist named Jason Saran. We hit it off backstage, and I knew he would be loads of fun to have on the podcast. He's an accomplished performer, but during the pandemic, he became world-renowned for his virtual show that was featured in People Magazine, The Today Show, and news outlets around the world. I grabbed a few moments of Jason's time via Zoom, and now you get to join our conversation. Jason Saran, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you again because you and I just spent a weekend at the Chicago Magic Lounge. I was the feature. You were the headliner. We had a great time. We did. It was a blast. It was a really good show. And I think that uh, the mix of our two different styles was very good for that audience. I was sort of like loud and aggressive and making a duck smoke a cigarette. And you were also loud, but making, you know, blowing people's minds with, with some really clever mind reading stuff. Well, thank you very much. It was a it was a, a blast to get to work with you and watch you perform. And that is a really, 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 really just like warm, mm-hmm. friendly place to get to to work. So I'm I'm always happy to be there. Absolutely. Now, the the place that you perform the most these days is uh, the McKittrick Hotel. Correct. You're are you part of the the regular cast at Speakeasy Magic? Yes, uh, I've been there uh, since the beginning of that show. Now, I know that like a lot of the work you do is like corporate work and like sort of bigger events and the Speakeasy Magic is a much more like intimate experience. What are you doing at Speakeasy Magic? Because I mean, that's we've had on Rachel Wax and Mark Calabrese and I I feel like at some point we're going to have everybody who's done that uh, who does that show because it's a it's a pretty hot show. I mean, it's a pretty hot ticket in New York City. Yeah, it. You know, you, you, I, I know we all say it every time we're asked about it, but you, we are, we're all very, very lucky to have that gig mm-hmm. and to be in that space because it's, you know, the thing I always say about it is it's, it's one of the rare opportunities where you're performing magic and being given every advantage, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to having to work around, you know, certain conditions. It's a situation in which everything has been sort of designed to give you an advantage. Mm-hmm. It's, and I imagine as a mind reader that must you must have all kinds of little fun things hidden away in that room to give you those extra advantages that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah, it, it's it's less about that. When I say advantages, I don't necessarily mean that, you know, there's things built into the to the space or into the table or that I've got a book on a thing, although, I've I, you know, we've all played with versions of those kinds of things. Um but I'm talking about like the bare necessities, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the tables have been cut, you know, precisely to give like the best viewing angle to the audience. And so that you're oh. you're always seated in the center seat and the ta- mm-hmm. tables are kidney shaped so that you've got this really subtle but, you know, nice kind of like proscenium thrust type situation going on. Mm-hmm. Everything's been timed out. The lighting has been perfected so that there's a key light on you, but nothing on every it's it's the kind of thing that you just and also the vibe right like yeah. we don't talk enough about how much vibe matters in magic yeah you know what i mean like the, the mental state that they're in walking into your show the thing i always say about um that building for people who haven't seen the show sleep no more which is the the flagship show of that of that space yeah is you walk into the mckittrick hotel you know and it's not that it feels it doesn't feel like the kind of place a magic show happens it feels like the kind of place magic happens and i know that sounds a little hoity-toity, but it's kind of true, right? Like yeah. the audience go, it, it's built almost like a haunted house or almost, you know, like a, I mean, it's so hard to, it's hard to describe that space for people who haven't seen it, but you know, it's literally essentially a haunted, you know, immersive hotel. Yeah. 
And so by the time they walk into the show, by the time they're actually seated, seated down, it feels like literally anything could happen in that room before we've even stepped out into the space ourselves. Before a single trick has happened, that space has creeped them out and set a tone and piqued their curiosity. And I don't I don't think you can overstate how helpful that alone is. All that all that work that goes in before the show starts to getting them to that point. It's it's kind of amazing as as I travel around the country and perform in different venues, you can feel the ones where they have put that extra little, you know, we, just, we were just talking about Chicago, right? Chicago Magic Lounge is maybe not to the same degree that the McKittrick Hotel is because Sleep No More is a, is a very specific curated experience that is done by some very talented people who are really going for something special. And, and it's... There's a reason that people go to that and and, and experience mm-hmm. it. Um, but even like the Chicago Magic Lounge, when you get there and you go through the washer dryer and then you're in the bar, I mean, it's immediately set this tone. And by the time they come into the 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 state to, to the big stage area or back to the 654 Club, they feel like they're in this like Art Deco like. I mean, they feel like they're in old style Chicago from like the movies, and it just sounds like speakeasy has taken that and just ramped it like through the roof to to really give you guys the 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 the, the performers every edge yeah and it's you know it, it it like i said it it's it's not setting a tone for a show which is the thing i really like about it yeah right it sets a tone for an experience and for magic to happen but it it doesn't feel like you're walking into a. It's hard, it's so hard to explain what I mean by that, but no, I think I think it just weirds. It just kind of creep. It just weirds you out a little bit. So you know, it really actually puts you on edge. I, I imagine that that allows the audiences to experience the different styles of the performers in a more interesting way. But like, so like if you were setting up for a show, right, and mm-hmm. you you knew you were going to go in and see Jason Saran, and then Mark Calabrese walked out it wouldn't be the same, right? But if you set right. that vibe and then you can experience both Jason Saran and Mark Calabrese. Also, how dare you? We are indistinguishable. Go on. <laughs> or or Matt Holtzclaw or Rachel Wack or any of the uh, wonderful right. performers there. I understand. It's a different, like, setting that vibe so that you can experience any of those performers is different than setting up for the specific performer, which is what most places do. Yeah, Exactly, because it's gotta it's gotta be able to serve all those energies and all those vibes mm-hmm. without without tipping its hat too much, mm-hmm. you know. And like I said, it's uh, like I'll give you a great example of just like a little thing. It's like sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by CBS from Paul V Hill. Nick Lacapo join me via Zoom to discuss this world class coin trick. Nick, I had the honor of filming a good friend of ours and and one of the one of the the modern philosophers of magic <laughs> yeah Paul V Hill we're talking mm-hmm. his his incredible coin trick CBS Mhm yeah no we were we were lucky to uh, be able to get this get this trick over here at Penguin I mean the CBS if you're not familiar copper silver brass is a uh, it's kind of like a I guess you'd call it like a magic shop staple at this point. Yeah. Um, and anybody that's worked in a shop, which Paul has, they all kind of have their own handlings of it. So what you're getting here is a set of copper, silver, brass with Paul he- V. Hill's um, expert handling that he that he uses. 
Um, and so what the trick is, is copper, silver, brass is three coins, a, uh, a copper coin, a silver coin, and a brass coin. And then which one's got the hole in it? Is it the brass or the, the it's, copper? I, I can't believe it's remember. the brass because the brass yeah. coin is represented by sort of like a kind of funky yeah. looking Chinese, you know, quote unquote Chinese coin. Sure. So you have uh, three just very uh, unique looking coins and they transpose, but they don't just transpose like one coin for one. It's two for two. For, for example, you could put the three coins in your hand and then you can remove, let's say, the um, the silver coin and then it, you place it in your other hand. And then just in a blink of an eye, the silver coin is transformed into the copper and the uh, copper and the brass coin and the silver coin is changed to the other hand. So essentially these tricks are just like multiple phases of coins changing places, but also changing quantity as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of asymmetrical transpositions, the copper coin, the silver coin, the brass coin jumping back and forth. Also, it ends with a pretty good vanish. So you end up with, at the end of it, all three coins vanish. You're, you're left barehanded. Uh, and the way Paul has it set up, actually, you can do this without sleeves. He frequently rolls his sleeves up when he does this. Uh, you do need to be wearing a little something to be able to do uh, to do the complete vanish, but it's something that almost everyone wears uh, anyway. And the the routine is not terribly difficult. Sometimes when you see these copper, brass, silver routines, I mean, these are like you know real knuckle busters. But CBS has been designed by Paul to be a real worker. So I mean, it's something that he performs all the time, and he can just sort of walk up and and just do it immediately. It takes up very little pocket space, but you get a ton of magic out of these three little coins. Yeah, it's that's that's kind of where we're at here with Paul because like when it comes to his handling, so many of the handlings are just I mean they're. The, the trick is incredible. If you do this trick, like where the, the two coins transpose in your hands and then kind of the other phases are like the coins go into your pocket and back to your hands. But it's always about like, how does it end, right? Mm -hmm. And and what is the presentation that you're using? And that is where, where Paul comes in, right? It's like giving you a solid ending to the routine and giving you a, a nice uh, presentation as well uh, for, for people to follow along with. Plus that vanish at the end is, is really cool. Yeah. So, if, um, if, yeah, it's, it's one to study uh, for sure. Um, you'll like, you'll watch it and you'll just want to like, you want to do it. Like if you show this to somebody, their yeah. brain is going to fall out of their head. So this is like, we have this in our magic shop, the brick and mortar shop that's in Columbus, Ohio. And I know this is something that I definitely want to learn because I want to be able to do this. If you're looking to level up your coin magic, check out CBS by Paul Hill. I think it's also just one other thing is that it, it's in his book doors of deception right yes i think it also comes with that um does it come with that the, the little pdf of that as well i think it does he i'm uh, pretty paul, sure it does paul very graciously supplied us with a pdf of the description from doors of deception which i mean if you've ever tried to get a hold of that book i mean it's been out of print for years and the people who have copies i mean easily charge five six seven hundred dollars when they're selling it to people i almost came across one the other day mm. uh, but it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty rare book and so being able to get the write-up in addition to paul's video is just super super great that was cbs yeah, by paul v hill available at penguinmagic.com as always the spectacular listeners to our show receive 25 percent off the featured product of the week when they enter a special discount code at checkout this week that code is transform 
That's transform, T-R-A-N-S-F-O-R-M. That code is only good for CBS and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Jason Saran. Exactly, because it's got to it's got to be able to serve all those energies and all those vibes mm-hmm. without without tipping its hat too much, mm-hmm. you know. And like I said, it's uh, like I'll give you a great example of just like a little thing. It's like I don't even know if it's still there. I hope it is, mm-hmm. but you know, for anyone who hasn't seen Alex Boyce do his 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 birds, you know, oh. his bird act, it's incredible. It's beautiful. Yeah. And one thing I love that only makes sense if you've seen Alex's act is as you're walking into the space, and I think it's still there. You pass this, they, they set this thing up. It's just like a bird cage kind of tucked in a corner mm-hmm. filled with these like kind of dingy, like degrading paper planes. And it's, it's a weird up, right? It's just weird. Yeah. It's just weird. And you're just like, what the hell is that thing? Right. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you see the show and maybe you connect those dots. Mm-hmm. Probably you even don't, but who cares if they do, right? It's just, it's just about setting that, yeah. that tone. I'm, I'm, you know, Luke Luke Germain had a has a thing I think he's talked about about the difference between a um interesting object and a mysterious object. And I, I can't remember I'm I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm mis misquoting him, but you know, it's it's the difference between a you know, an envelope with a question mark on it versus you know, a bird cage suspended by from the stage by chains with you know, a deck of cards wrapped in thread inside it, right? Yeah. And it's like that's a weird, interesting object. You know, that's that's not just an unknown object. It's mm-hmm. that's a weird, interesting thing. And yeah. I, I the 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 McKittrick is filled with with weird, interesting things, not just question marks. Yeah, no, and that's I think that that's something that performers today are striving to get better and better at. And I think that as we find more venues like this and we have other performers experiencing how you can take small things and like getting rid of that envelope with the question mark and finding a different way to present that mysterious object, you can provide a much more magical experience. And cause audiences can feel that and they, they comment on it when they're, when they're talking to people afterwards. Oh, for sure. They're, they're always, I shouldn't say always. They're usually smarter than we give them credit for. Yes, yes, hundred percent. I want to shift the topic a little bit because I think that um, I think many of the listeners will sort of know you from the uh, the dark times. Uh, we shall say during the pandemic, you you were you got very well known for virtual shows, which I don't think was ever like a part of your 10 year plan as uh, Jason Saran world famous mentalist. Am I correct? Yeah. The 10, 10 years ago, I was like, I'm going to be the zoom guy, <laughs> but you, I think we got to talk about this in Chicago and I think it was you, me and Danny Orleans and Danny mm-hmm. is no slouch when it comes to business and magic. That guy, like if I want to talk to anybody about how to improve my business, it's Danny Orleans. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you said he was really fascinated by your approach to uh, to, to, to the Zoom shows and sorry for the uh, listeners right now it does, sounds like gremlins are uh, in the show and that's because my dogs have just burst into the office and are playing <laughs> um, like the Kool-Aid man they've just come through the wall yeah they're like we want to be a part of it no you were talking about how your show got a lot of help from a mommy blog 
And I found, yep. can you can you sort of talk about that a little bit? Because everyone knows you from the New York Post and uh, from all these giant media outlets. But when you credited a mommy blog, it was fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I've told this story a couple of times and it's like it always amuses me, too, because it's so weird. But like, you know, during that time period, I, I was in a, I, I was lucky enough to be in a lot of different press outlets. I was in. Washington Post. I, mm-hmm. I had a spread in People magazine, um, you know, the Times, the the Post, obviously, the New York Post. And none of those things produced a fraction of the feedback and sort of live gig inquiries mm-hmm. that this one um, mom blog uh, ended up generating, which was what started the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, I, I was working with a PR company. I was, um, you know, I had a producing, producing team. I had a whole sort of operation, but all of that came from the income that was generated by the gigs, which came from initially this mom blog. Yeah. Uh, and you know, every single email within a week was just every phone call was, you know, a very real, you know, potential gig. And every single one of those clients was basically like, oh, my God, like whatever she says to do on the blog, like I I do. And I, I really gained an appreciation for the difference between, you know, wide audience reach yeah. versus loyal audience reach. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what that blog's actual numbers are in terms of their traffic. I'm sure it's excellent. It's, it seems to it seemed to be extremely, extremely popular. But I can probably guess it's smaller than the readership circulation for the New York Times. <laughs> and right, like I'm I'm guessing yeah. and blew it out of the water in terms of what it was worth to me, you know, on the business end and what it was worth to me in terms of, you know, um, gigs and publicity, et cetera, because the people who re- read it were loyal to that blog, right? They were loyal mm-hmm. to that author and they were, you know, deeply, deeply in, uh, engaged by whatever it was she was going to suggest to do, they they were going to try, mm-hmm. and so I've I've gained an appreciation for finding people who have cultivated not just you know fourteen million viewers on TikTok that might be scrolling while they're taking a dump, yeah, but the people who have cultivated fan bases and audiences that actually care about what they have to say and what they you know suggest to them. It's really interesting. I you know I actually went back and looked at our numbers when. When you said that, I kind of, I was like, well, I wonder the people who I've had on this show who've had like huge impacts. And obviously the famous names always grab attention, but uh, we had uh, Katie Osaurus on, who's a a TikToker and ADHD influencer. And uh, her audience follows her around because they deeply care about what she has to say. And it's like one of the most listened to episodes even and it's it's a lot of people who are not magicians that i think we gained reader, uh, we gained followers from that and we introduced a lot of people who were not magicians to magic by having this person who was fascinated with magic on but more importantly it was the following she cultivated like just like you said that it's it's a loyal audience and i think that it really changed the way i'm looking at the way i'm talking to different people and wanting to approach lead development for my own magic business it was just such yeah. a fascinating idea yeah, that's awesome. I got to check out that episode. Yeah. That sounds that sounds super super interesting. Jason, what is next for you as you as you move forward in magic? 
Whew, that's a great question. It's and honestly, this is one of the first times I've actually been thinking about that in my life. Because you know, you you kind of mentioned a ten year plan earlier, mm-hmm. and Zoom not being a part of it. But the yeah. truth is, I don't know. I really didn't have one for the past ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, I was very much a dog chasing cars. Mm-hmm. I, you know, was I would see an op- I I wanted to do a. You know, I, I wanted to do a, a show, so I did a show. I wanted to do take an opportunity, so I, I took that opportunity. But there wasn't really an overarching plan, and luckily that's turned out pretty well for me. And I, I'm, I'm in a good position and, and have done a lot of the things I, I've wanted to do. Um, I think that in the next 10 years, I'd like to be focusing more on theater work and sort of, you know, stage productions and things like that. And um, kind of working on something now towards that goal, um, but yeah, the, the, I'm ask me that question in a couple of months because I've I've yeah. truly just started to map out a ten year plan um, for the first time probably in my life. I'm looking forward to seeing where you go, uh, Jason. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, and it was good working with you in Chicago. And I hope that we uh, we get to cross paths again soon. And if you're in New York City, be sure to go check out Jason at Speakeasy Magic at the McKittrick Hotel. Thanks so much for having me. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Jason for the conversation, and thanks to you for listening. Hey, kids, quick couple of announcements. Next week is the IBM convention in Pittsburgh, and I'm going to try and do my best to be there Thursday night to jam with my IBM friends in the lobby. Also, next weekend, I'll be in Erie, Pennsylvania at Keller's Magic and Comedy Club, where I'll be the support act for TJ Miller. You know him as the bartender from Deadpool and one of the voice actors from Ready Player One. Now, you're going to get to know him as another cat whose mind I've turned inside out with card to pocket. Be sure to stop by and say hello. As always, we're a weekly podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe as we'll share your favorite episodes on the social media platform where you've been looking for new pictures of Descatron on. Seriously, Descatron, my personal PC, has had an amazing glow up. There's an integrated screen. The lights are all synchronized. And did I mention that my personal computer is where I keep my FISM trophy? It's wild up in here. But... If building custom PCs with more lights than the sun isn't your cup of tea, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. Perform.